Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, episode number 5959, almost my favorite number, 10 away. That's right, 49 is my favorite number, boys, you picked it. And welcome to the body this fortnight, Snags in fine form to kick it off. Craig Ross, get off my bloody line, buddy, because you seriously got a dirty mind and you're in the gutter. And I'm actually disappointed in you. Uh, DL, please, uh, I would say, reprimand Satman for him at the moment. It's disgusting and disrespectful for one. And uh, he should have known my favorite number is 49, to be honest. But how are we? Snags, I think you led him astray with your eyes, but that's okay. Uh, Snags, I'm good. I'm excited for this week's show. Jumping back into the UFC with a huge UFC 266, our very own Alexander Volkanovsky versus his opposing tough coach, Brian T-City Ortega. was a, a big T-City fan, but tough series kind of turned me off a fraction. I don't know. It was just a weird. I don't know if it was because we had Volkanovsky in there or Brian T was just a fraction annoying. But anyway, also on today's show, we are joined by a newly signed bare knuckle boxer. We're excited to have Ty Emery on the show to talk about her four-fight deal with the promotion. This week on Neds, we talk a bit of 266 fighter moments. We go through our top three with the boys, and then uh, the article on Neds will uh, round out a nice top five, uh, along with a couple of other regular segments, boys. Big show. But let's get moving as I introduce the biggest bare-knuckle fan that I know, Stony. How are we? <laughs> Huge. <laughs> Huge. I can name at least six six fighters in bare knuckle uh, DL. That's pretty good. Um, I would name more, but unless uh, I don't get to see a lot of them on the gram, so um, yep. it is what it is. <laughs> uh, still licking my wounds. The Dolphins went down 35 zip this morning, DL, so I'm in a, in a bit of a foul mood on, on all things NFL. Mm. Uh, but nothing that a bit of MMA talk can't uh, pull me out of those dismal depths. Look out. Well, mate, I had the kicker from Miami and my buddy fantasy team. He scored a big fat zero just like your team. So I was a bit disappointed <laughs> in that. But uh, to the man, Statman, what's your favorite number? Uh, nine. Nine. Or 21. Or 42. Well, that doesn't sound like a favorite. It sounds like the top three. And we're going to do a top three later today. But, mate, welcome to the potty. How are you? Mate, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm actually pinch me, guys, because I'm a little bit hyped around Anthony Smith after this weekend. Uh, and I never thought, especially after the Glover Tashira fight, that I would ever say those words again. Um, but I think it was something about his post-fight interview, post-victory, to find out that he had his next fight booked to say Merry Christmas to me. It <laughs> kind of got the blood bubbling a little bit excitedly. So um, I might be hyped for an Anthony Smith fight, which oh, is okay. shit. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> you reckon he's your favourite fighter or top three? <laughs> <laughs> Not even close, unfortunately, but I'm oh, to Put it out to top 21 for you. Yeah, let's go. Do you know what's uh, ironic about that, DL? I don't know what's going on with my Spotify, but just randomly, once I finish a, a song or an episode of any podcast, it defaults back to a random episode yep. of the Runner Back podcast. And the one I was listening to uh, yesterday was actually Statman taking Anthony Smith's <laughs> corner to town because he was getting towed up and his teeth were falling out. Uh, so to hear you've come a complete uh, 180 on the, on that and you're now an Anthony Smith fan, that, yeah. that's awesome. I genuinely thought that that beating was going to be the Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje end to Anthony Smith's career. It looked like a career-ending, fuck, on the night it looked like a life-ending beating. Um, but <laughs> to see that him come back from that to a, I believe it's a 3-0, and three first-round finishes, fucking inspirational, honestly. Like, <laughs> Anthony Smith... 
three straight wins, three straight first round finishes. Mate, fully wrong in that regard. Still think that fight should have been stopped long before it was, but um, glad to be proven wrong that uh, it was going to affect his career. Oh, boys, I look forward to the storyline of Rocky 28 when it comes out, so <laughs> should be a good one. All right, boys, before we jump into the podcast, we need to thank our sponsors, Humble Fightwear. Humble Fightwear is an Australian jiu-jitsu brand that celebrates one of the most important parts of martial arts becoming humble. Snags, talk to me about it. Well, I am that humble that I usually introduce myself in the third bloody person because that's how much I love this brand. Uh, Snags and Humble going on a journey like a little bloody rainbow dash unicorn and uh, just spreading love all over the world. One one uh, rear naked choke at a time, I would say. And yes, Snags is the one getting rear naked choke, boys. Shall you ask? I don't know if that was a My Little Pony reference, but if you if you want to avoid any future My Little Pony references, I haven't seen a single one on their Insta- uh, Instagram page or their website, www.humblefightwear.com.au. If you head there, you can check out their vast selection of geese and help them spread good vibes one purchase at a time. And for being amazing runner back listeners, the legends at Humble Fightwear are giving you 15% off your entire order. Snags, how do they get that code word? Yeah, well, Snags has been given a bit of Morse code, a bit of smoke signals. I actually have learnt Mandarin over uh, lockdown, so I'm going to give it to the listeners in that. Sorry, I was talking about the fruit, not the language, <laughs> boys. Code word RIB15, that's RIB15 at checkout. Eat your fruit, get your vitamin C, please. Get around it. Lo- lovely boys, let's jump into the podcast with a little snags would lie. There's vitamin C in Mandarin, surely. It's orange. Why not? Citrus, sure. Citrus fruit. It's vitamin, vitamin C just the colour. <laughs> I reckon it is. We should oh, okay, Google cool, it. Anything that's orange has got vitamin C in it from now on. Boys, welcome once again. Is this the Pink, Pink Panther music, right? <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have said it. Boy, Snags Live this week has got a bit of a doozy for it. It's an injury week. Injury fortnight. So the boys are going to have to pick apart. I'm hoping that I haven't told one of these stories. Maybe I've told both of them already. One could be a line. I could just fib to the boys 24-7. Who knows? Uh, about some of Snags' uh, historic injuries. And uh, some will surprise you, some won't. So first injury that happened to Snags... Uh, is I unfortunately broke my face. <laughs> um, specifically my eye socket as I was sucker punched at a school disco um, for being A, too good looking and B, because uh, unfortunately the guy that punched me uh, was over a girl as per usual because uh, yeah, listeners wouldn't be surprised but the girl chose snacks and then I got sucker punched and broke my cheekbone. And now half of my face is plastic. So, uh, also why I look good because I'm basically in the Barbie doll. So uh, <laughs> I've lost the boys here. Apologies. Um, second injury. Second injury is I actually did both. I actually did. <laughs> I actually did both. Well, I think the plastic face gave the first one away. This is, this, I guys, not to give it away, but this no, is right. the truth one. I yeah. Actually. yeah, I actually did this. I actually did both of my ligaments in uh, like each ankle at the same time. Um, you boys would think it would be a sporting accident considering my sporting accolades. Mm. Uh, it was actually at a surf boat rowing carnival and we had a couple of too many froffingtons. 
That's a code word for beers, if you boys didn't know. Denzel's. And on the beach, but Denzel Froffington's, but a, you know, you know what I like to call him. I forget. And uh, tried to do an assisted backflip and landed on the sand and twisted both ankles and done attended in, in, in both. Couldn't row for the rest of the weekend. It's very disappointing. Um, they have both since to recover. As you can see, I can walk. Mm-hmm. And uh, which one is it, I guess? Is it broken face <laughs> and a tendal? Is it the follow, follow up questions, lads. Don't you get a follow up question? <laughs> Mate, I'm tapping out. <laughs> I've stumped the voice. I was hoping it was going to be. Remember, he did a calf and he had to oh, miss an episode yeah. of the podcast. Oh, I was hoping that. <laughs> did do the calf? Because no, you boys know about the calf. Yeah, I know. I just, but I was hoping you have forgotten. For, FYI for the listeners, calf has recovered finally. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's are we, are we, in good stead. Are we picking between I tried to show off and I hurt my ankles or <laughs> I have half a plastic face? <laughs> I can, I could, I can definitely see snags on the beach going. Oi, boys, look at me! And he's trying to do that for his little moment, and then realizing that he's torn both ligaments in his ankles. Hundred percent could see that. The plastic face thing doesn't really hold up well. Um, yeah. No, what was that school disco? Yeah, we used to call them socials. 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 Yeah, yep. Did the kid get? Did the kid get in trouble for punching, decking you in the face, and breaking your face in half? Yeah, he got, he got suspended. Oh yeah, yeah. And did he have I, to pay for your extensive <laughs> yeah. facial reconstruction? No, 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 no. Because I had private health insurance. Oh, that makes oh. sense. Yeah, absolutely. I did get um, I did get a sum of money from a victim's compensation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm saying that the first one's a lie. Yeah, I, I would, I would hazard a guess that the first one's probably a lie. <laughs> Well, I'm going to hazard a guess and say the first one's a premonition because I do see snags with a, a half a plastic face, but it won't be at a school disco. Um, but, yeah, fully on uh, option number two for this one. God, not many questions this fortnight. I can just, well, no, I wonder well, why. I just the one. I can just imagine with, like, the, the Phantom of the Opera <laughs> face, half face mask. Do you know, I was going to go with the nose story, but I think I've sold everyone the nose story and you both can probably hear me on the potty every every fortnight that I can't really breathe out of it probably. <laughs> so I chose against the nose one because I knew I think Dio would know about that one. So, boys, I've actually tricked you. I've, I've chucked in a little trick. So the backflip story is half true, but I only did one ligament <laughs> in one ankle. So they told two lies. lies. I didn't do two. <laughs> two lies. I didn't do two, but the face story is actually true. <laughs> I actually got punched in the face. You don't have a social. plastic face though. <laughs> yeah, they had to I, – I broke my um, orbit, orbital bone. Yeah. And they had to pull down my eyelid and insert plastic um, things so then – what is it called? The thing grows back over and it's there. Well I fully done. broke my face. I so the boys eight. were yeah, incorrect. Yeah, fucking wrong? wrong, I guess. Well Look at Stoney. He looks shocked. Well done. I, I just don't believe you. <laughs> it, happened, it happened the day before September 11 too. Oh, no wonder you didn't want to grapple so on September 11. It's a bad month yeah, for you. I was, I was full young. I was like in year, I think I was in year seven. Yeah. I was full young. Yeah, it's crazy. Fucking That's savage wild. socials. That, that didn't oh, happen yeah. down in our neck of the woods, Dale. Yeah, it's no, it's, it's, what it's when absurd. It's what happens that we, when you live in the country hood, boys. We share, we share very, very similar injuries in, in that regard. In that, um, you got a broken I, face too. I, I was recovering from a um, my, my first ever breakup. Devastating me. On um, Australia Day, <laughs> and I got very turned up, um, as drunk as 17-year-old Craig could possibly get. And I decided, yo, I'm really good on the trampoline. I can do like 360 backflips. I can do all this shit. Watch this. And I did 
a double somersault off the trampoline and landed. <laughs> and I went, ha ha. And I looked around the party and everyone was horrified. <laughs> because apparently when I landed, what sounded like a gunshot went off and my ankle had completely snapped. I hadn't noticed because I was incredibly drunk, but the tendons in my leg had completely torn and sounded like a gunshot had gone off. So very similar to your beach story. Oh, really? oh, oh, what's the second story? Because I consider that one a lie. Okay, cool. Uh, well, I was riding a bike and I fell off a bike and a rock went through my chin. Now I have a metal chin. <laughs> That's true bullshit. Both That's true. bullshit. That's why you never get KO'd. Oh. Look at that. That's not natural. Maybe we should maybe we should have an injury injury um segment on the potty. Anyway, hold down for that. <laughs> <laughs> on the body, first five stripe white belt that come from the Barbie household. So <laughs> look at me go. Love it, boys. <laughs> Our boy's special guest on the episode today has a lengthy resume. Model, Sparky, American football in the LFL, Muay Thai fighter, LFC fighter, MMA fighter. And recently, signed with the Bare Knuckles. Ty Emery, welcome to Jumping On Our Podcast today. G'day, guys. Thanks heaps for having me on. It sounds so awesome, like just hearing just Australian voices. And at the same time, I'm like, oh, oh, my God. This is what we really sound like. We really sound like this. <laughs> yeah, when we have overseas guests, it really sticks out pretty bad, but that's okay. <laughs> Certainly, Dale. I don't know about you. We traveled to done a bit of traveling in the States, and the Aussie language has never struck me more than after spending time away. And then you come back to Flinders Street, you jump on the train, <laughs> and you hear that first real country. <laughs> See, that was, that was the, the opposite for me, Stoney, when I, when like, I grew up with wrestling and everything like that. And all the, all the wrestlers, obviously American, I never caught the accent, went to America. I was like, fuck, they actually sound so completely different to us here. <laughs> now, yeah. now, Ty, you've spent a fair bit of time in the States. Have your accent, well, clearly not from the, from, from what we're listening to <laughs> now, but, uh. Does it tie Clearly in not. I yeah. don't know if you can ever wipe this bogan sound out of anyone, can you? Like, <laughs> is that possible? No. And you're a Queensland girl, yeah? Yeah, I'm a Queenslander. Yeah. Um, and then I ran my electrical contracting business up in North Queensland. So I'd like to say that even being up there, like it really took a, a deeper dive <laughs> south. <laughs> she went, yeah, she went pretty deep then. Um, there is a few times people are like, oh, you sound American. Yeah. And I think, oh, okay, well, I just spent like five to six years over in uh, Atlanta and Las Vegas. So maybe a little bit's wiped off, but give me a couple of beers and, you know, <laughs> she's back. <laughs> well, there's two things on this podcast that the boys like to get around a, get around a fighter with. The first one is really, really simple and it's Australian. Is obviously we back our Australians uh, all the way through. The second one is an interesting journey. Now, how does a Sparky from Queensland end up playing <laughs> football in the States and then decides I might I might get into a bit of combat sport? Uh, so, yeah, I grew up in a, in a heavy industry. I grew up in Gladstone, so we're just like heavy industry. Everything's, everything's tradie life. You're either a tradie or a hairdresser or a receptionist. And I just decided I wanted some man money and went the tradie way. Uh, yeah. Then I ended up running my own electrical contracting business, then started contracting with Queensland rail. Hey boys, (laughs) we got out. I made it. Um, so, (laughs) you know, a few, a few days on the end of a shovel making, you know, boom gates look good. Um, 
And honestly, I was I was always really into sport. I was really into football. Grow up, I played every every everything football, everything football, anything sport. And then um, the LFL came to Australia, and one of my friends who I was living with, who was also a tradie, a diesel fitter, um, she's like, "Oh, you should come down." And I thought, "Yeah, fuck it, why not?" So I know I know that's like. How did you get there? And I'm like, oh, me mate told me I should come down and give it a go. And you know, I just thought, fuck, why don't I just go give it a go? So you're strained one. Such mate. a magical beginning. 100%. <laughs> Such a magical I, beginning. I, I had I had questions. I was like, like gridiron's not exactly huge in in Australia. It's obviously getting bigger, bigger year by year. Super Bowl numbers are growing and growing. But my question was going to be like, how did you get hooked into the LFL? And it's literally your mate was just like, fuck it, why not? Why not? <laughs> well, uh, so the LFL had done like an inaugural season. Um, so this stemmed from the Lingerie Football League uh, where they had the Playboy Bunnies and, you know, movie stars and everything play at the halftime show for the Super Bowl. They then turned it into Legends Football League and um, branched out to Australia. So that was really like the chance of playing at, the best of the best fields where, you know, I grew, like I said, I grew up playing football and you watch the NRL and you watch that. And you, I was a big Wally Lewis fan, to be honest. Um, I loved anything that was like the Biffo years. I just thought, fuck yeah. Always, mate. Always. So like when they said, oh, you're going to play in the best stadiums, you're playing on channel seven. I just thought, so all I got to do is wear this bikini and tackle some bitches, and I thought, awesome! <laughs> this sounds like right up my alley. Oh, I think I was a thermographer at the time, and I, you know, I wasn't. I shouldn't have gone into that sort of trade too early because I got off the tools a little bit too soon. And I like to be active, and I like to use my brain, and I like to, you know, I, I like that sort of stuff. So. I guess the thought of someone going like, "Do you want to play football professionally?" I was like. No-brainer, really. <laughs> so so moving from the Australian side of things to the US LFL, how did, how did that all take place? We had coaches reach out. And um, so really, yeah, I was, I was had Las Vegas, Atlanta and Omaha all reach out and want me to play for them. So, of course, you know, I got to play in the Australian season and I got a small taste and it still was Australian football. Like some of our plays still had like us passing it off and it still had that touch of Australian. And I really just wanted to like throw myself in and one, I wanted to be one of the best of the best and to be the best in something, especially American football, you really need to be in America. Like that's the birthplace. They've had hundreds of years of, of American football and, and so, yeah, I ended up going over and choosing Las Vegas, um, and that was because of a gym called Extreme Couture. I was going to say, I heard, I heard a rumor that that was the the, the, the deciding factor behind <laughs> the move to the Las Vegas Sins. Obviously, Extreme Couture, one of the premier MMA gyms in the country, and that's true. That's that's yeah, that's a hundred percent true. I love it. Because I wanted, I was a linebacker, so I always wanted to do boxing training for fast hands and quick reaction. And I liked, see, I'm a form tackler because I played rugby union and, you know, football growing up. But I loved the girls in, in the LFL are big beasts. And I was one of the smallest. So I, I wanted to do wrestling. I always did wrestling through the Australian season just to learn how to use the momentum of somebody else to smash them into the ground. So that, yeah, it was extreme couture and that's, yeah, that was like, hello, that was like another, like, again, like that was a no brainer. 
Um, so I guess maybe like that was, that was like the start of me thinking, I really just wanted to learn fighting stuff for, for LFL because LFL was fighting, Miss Congeniality, it's <laughs> roller derby, uh, LFL and football. Like it was all these different things thrown into one. And yeah, I don't know. During my trade, I learned that you could, you can learn like so much more from the plumber and the carpenter and how to adapt and be a better electrician. And I think that's what made me a good electrician was because I was so open to learning and seeing different trades and and there were certain tools where I could apply them to my job and the job was easier. So I just, I don't know, I, t- I take that same sort of uh, tradey, I guess, mentality and a way to like problem solve um, into anything that I do. And that's really what I did with the LFL. Um, so yeah, I ended up doing that. And it was actually Misha Tate. So Misha Tate was the person, I was at a gym doing strength and conditioning and I was like, yo, this chick's bad. Like, whoa, there's another girl in the gym. Oh and I remember God. even being like, it's so cool to see another girl in the gym. I'm usually the only one, you know? And then it turns out it's fucking Misha Tate. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, <laughs> you're really cool, I guess. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> after a while, she, we were always training together and I'd like t- talk about like LFL and what was going on and, just sometimes some of the bullshit that you'd have to fucking deal with just to get on the field to play football, it eventually came to a point where it just wasn't like it wasn't it wasn't worth it like anymore. Like it literally wasn't worth it anymore. They sucked my soul out of football and like that divorce from football was like probably one of the most emotional things. Everyone's like, it's just football and I'm like, you don't understand, <laughs> you know? Like, and they didn't understand and how would you because you don't fucking love football. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she took me to the UFC um, in in Brisbane actually where Mark Hunt was and she's like, oh, you Mark Hunt, Bigfoot Silver. Yes, that was so. That was my actually my first UFC, like going to watch a UFC as well. One of the best fights Um, of all time. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Sugar, and then um, so she's like, "Oh yeah, come out back, have a look." And I'm like, "Oh, this is just like LFL, same sort of you know setup, same sort of run, like righto." And she's like, "Oh, we'll go have a feed." I'm like, "Well, they don't have this in the LFL. Free food. I'm in." We're sitting there. She's she's like giving me these looks and I'm like, righto, what steak knives are you selling me? Like, come on out with it. And she's like, I really think you'd find a love that you've got missing in fighting. And just for her to say those words to me, I was like, oh, <laughs> she's looking into my soul, you know? And, and for, <laughs> she was right. Like she was absolutely right. I've found, I've found like so many deeper levels of even myself through fighting. And I guess that's like what martial arts can do. Um, for everybody and you know you, football brought me to a certain level and then getting deeper in being able to use my body as a weapon and functioning and moving not just like aggressively but now technical as well so thanks Misha Tate I love you and hate you some days <laughs> but yeah it's been worth it it's been the best it was the best thing I ever did now, obviously, just on the, that Misha Tate relationship, obviously, she's come back. She's had a, an extended layoff. How much inspiration do you take from seeing someone that not only an icon of women's MMA, but someone that you've obviously got a, a fairly close relationship with? Talk us through that. I'll tell you one thing. When I saw her pregnant, the first time I got to see her with a belly, we were at the UFCPI in Vegas, and she's got a heavy bag, like they're down on the ground, and she's got it in mount. 
and she's ground and pounding <laughs> pregnant, so cool. going to give birth in probably the next like three weeks, literally. <laughs> and I remember just standing at the fence and she looked over and I was just like, damn, <laughs> you know, what a like, woman. <laughs> What a woman! And so, to be honest, that made me really start to believe that maybe one day, like, I could have kids. And I I know that sounds so silly, but I always, obviously, I was one of the first female electrical contractors and then one of the first thermographers and one of the first female thermographers in the world. So I always just thought career and, you know, maybe that just isn't for me. Maybe the mum route might not be my path, you know, and I can inspire a million different kids in other ways. So to actually see Misha be able to come back off two kids and, and have this amazing comeback and just seeing her still training while pregnant, um, you know, that's super inspiring, like, <laughs> for any woman. It shows you that there's just so much stigma going, oh, you're over 30, you're a grandma, you're dead. Oh, well, now guess what? We've got motherfucking mums coming back being like the MILFs of all MILFs and fucking killing people. So if that can't inspire a woman to, like, do whatever she wants, mm. I don't know what can. 100%. Now, obviously, the the training MMA and bare-knuckle boxing. So how did that opportunity come about? <laughs> Talk us through that. Okay, to be honest, I've just, um, my my sponsorship finished at Pugat Fight Club. I just spent like six months there developing and learning from all the Brazilians, which was awesome. Um, I've come back to powerhouse um, training and really, to be honest, like I got this, they t- came at me and I'll tell you one thing, Thailand has a lot of tests. So these guys come at me and they're like, hey, we want you to, you know, be a bare knuckle boxing fighter. And two weeks earlier, Don, I want to be a bare-knuckle boxing fighter. So to me, I thought somebody was fucking me over and I went, fuck off, mate. And literally was like, just fuck off. Like, I have had enough, not today. And then they get, obviously, keep touching base because they're like, no, 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 we're we're really serious. (laughs) They get David Feldman to message me, like the owner of this thing, and I'm like, fuck off. Like, what? Who the fuck is doing this? Like, fuck off. Mm. Anyway, they get me on a call and I start to realize that maybe this is like a little bit serious or maybe a little bit real. <laughs> and I, and, but the, at the same time, they're just selling themselves like in the American way. And so for me, I was just like, look, mate, cut the fucking fluff. I was like, if you're the guy that I need to take me to the playground, then fucking take me to the playground. I said, you're hired. Get me in. I don't fucking care. And I was like, just take me to the fucking playground where I can kill. The line goes silent. And I'm like, and they're like, would like to uh, officially offer you a four-fight contract with the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, hey, guys. Like, so. My business voice is on. Oh, it's so nice. This is going to be amazing. My dream's coming true. Because originally, like I said, I was just like, you know, you just work every day and I guess it just gets to a point where you forget that you're just slugging it out, you know, like just on one of those highs, lows, highs, lows, and I'm just a hard worker. So like I said, I just was, of course you believe it, but you don't believe it. Like I literally told these people to fuck off. So (laughs) (laughs) thanks for hiring me. (laughs) Good luck. Now, obviously, with every time you, you go out and compete, it's an opportunity to showcase your skill set and, and, and your development in, in the sport. Is there any additional nerves with the, the stigma? You're going out into basically a sanctioned street fight. Is there any, does that add any more to the, to the experience or does that, that get you going? 
that gets me going mm. that okay so i was at this gym and the girls are the girls were like ty if, if and they give me most girls give me a bit of like a hard time you know and i'm just like yeah whatever same shit different day moving on mm. and they're like so if you were to have a fight would you do you probably just take someone to ground since they're all muay thai fighters right and i was like yes and i was like so if we're like being hypothetical here i said we're not going to be doing muay thai rules this is a fight mm. so i'm going to take off my fucking gloves walk out to the car park call one of you bitches names out and we're going to fight on the fucking road and they're like i was like what the hell so for me like i i love that sense of realness like this is going to be more real than and any other sort of fight that there is, you know, and that excites me. Even the fact that you hit in the wrong spot, you're going to break your hand. Yeah. Like that's some crazy adrenaline, you know, um, and looking at the characters that they've really gone and gotten, like I know my sort of upbringing and past and that kind of makes me think all these people have a different vibration and a different frequency and everyone's like, whoa, you're a lot. But then if you think about like how high I must vibrate and you think about that environment and setting, I'm going to be at, it's going to be like still and at peace because like that's where I'm going to thrive. So I think that's an exciting thing for me to be like, oh, they're putting me in the fishbowl, oh, motherfucker, you know? And at the same time, like when I'm in there, I'm going to be like just so peaceful because like fighting really is peaceful. I think it's really peaceful. I fucking love that. I fucking love that. That's so good. Yeah, it's a good quote. So it's the fighting is peaceful. I like the uh, the mental processing of the the football offer. That I get to put a bikini on and tackle bitches. Like it's just the, the mindset for success in that. You simplify well, things you know, down so beautifully. It's, it's phenomenal. It's really thank good. you. I just like to at least just be so blunt that people can go, oh. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Makes That's sense. What she's thinking. Complete. Yeah. <laughs> <Makes absolutely. sense. laughs> no second guessing. <laughs> now, any fight info? Like, do we have a date or, or anything like that? So, right now, there's whispers that I will be on the first week of December Ooh. in Miami. Now, I don't know if I'm meant to drop this, but I'll well, maybe give it they should have told me. Give it to us. Come on. Come on. They shouldn't have told me. And then maybe they shouldn't have put me on a show with my Aussie blokes and fucking from home. Um, So they've said, like, oh man, I hope I get these guys' names right. Diego Sanchez. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Uh, maybe they've also dropped Mike Perry's name. So who knows? Oh, wow. like, oh what God, the, please don't put Mike what Perry does that mean? <laughs> together. Yeah, but what does that mean? Have, like, yeah. Does that mean his UFC contract is gone? Like oh, when yeah. I heard that, I was like, um, well, we'll see that one when we like see yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then they've also said at least one of the Paige Van Zandt or Rachel Ostovich because obviously yep. they're going to want that hot girl card. Yep. Um, and Miami is meant to be, yeah, like I said, one of their biggest, like one of their biggest places. I've just started like looking at a, you know, on the on the Instagram search at what Miami is, yeah. and it looks pretty crazy there. Everyone said that Miami and Texas is its own, and then you've got America and American states. So I think Miami is meant to be. It's a home it's of. It's going to be wild. Bare knuckle boxing, mate. Like that's where Kimbo Slice <laughs> got his home, got his uh, backyard brawling started. So. Absolutely. It's got a, a proud history of bare knuckle boxing. <laughs> love it. They just love it. <laughs> just a real quick one, Ty. I used to have a segment on um, this podcast called Breaking News with Stoney. And I think just in that last, 
you know, six sentences, you've given the three best scoops we've ever had on the podcast. So thank you for that. <laughs> Breaking news with Ty. <laughs> yes. TMI with Ty. TMI with Ty. Fuck me. Spot on. Before we let you go, we like to have a little bit of fun with our guests. So we've got a little game for you to play if you're open to it. All right. Now it is. Is this like a card game where I'm going to end up naked or something? No, nah, unfortunately, <laughs> it could be. We well, I mean, <laughs> fucking why not? <laughs> Jesus, it's always luring me into some bullshit. <laughs> You'll find out we actually don't have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Would it be the first time? Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> It's a really quick, easy game. It's it's called Start Bench Cut. Now it's like the PG version of of Fuck Mary Kill. They're not so hard. Ooh. They're not that hard. Start Bench Cut. Your first one, Ty Emery. Start Bench Cut. Modeling, fighting, working a trade. Start Bench. Cut. <gasps> oh, something's got to go. Start bench. Oh, that's so hard because modeling modeling's so easy, but fighting so <laughs> adrenaline and tradie, I actually get to use my like brain. But I didn't work every single day of my life as a tradie on Smoko thinking about this shit. So cut, tradie. Oh. I've already done that. Go on. It's got to go. We, if in, as a tradie, I'm dreaming of other things, I'm meant to do the things I'm dreaming of. Um, and then fighting and modeling modeling's got a bench and fighting number one love it good if i could stay in like alpha you know evolved pokemon level as in my biology yep. forever i would just forever be like it's <laughs> 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 perfect <laughs> all right let's go one reference i love yeah. it <laughs> let's go a bit of sport nfl rugby AFL. I think I think I know what's going to be. Oh, AFL gone. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to push my boys. And then Queensland football bench yeah. because rugby. What the hell? Mm. Forever. All right, cool. That was easy. All right, holiday destinations, and I know you've been in, lived in both all these places: oh. Australia, USA, Thailand. Holiday places. I say, who? Where oh. do you like to holiday? I always love to holiday back home in Australia. Yeah. I love that reset. Um, oh man! You benching? Yeah, bench America. Oh, you're gonna cut Thailand. <laughs> Thailand Oof. for holidaying for sure. Yeah. And the on the on the starter. Yep. Done. Last one. Timery. Start bench cut. We got sparring, wrestling, jiu-jitsu. <gasps> oh, oh! Why did you do this? <laughs> Because they all bring, they're all a different like adrenaline. But I would say keep jujitsu because I can be doing that for like the rest of my life. And I really think jujitsu is important. I think everyone should learn how to like use their body. Um, it's like, I think jujitsu is like the violent yoga. And I love yoga. I think jujitsu and yoga are just so important. Um, I'd have to bench sparring because um, just to try and keep my brain because I love wrestling. Like, to be honest, I love wrestling. I have my one little sing singlet and I think I'm the gun when I walk out and everyone's like, are you wearing a wrestler singlet? And I'm like, of course I am. <laughs> the shit. I am a wrestler. <laughs> I, am a, I am a wrestler today. <laughs> Timery, thanks for being on the podcast. We look forward to 
December, hopefully in yeah, Miami. Me too. Thank you so much, guys. It really means so much to have like home support and honestly, like just to hear your guys' voices and hear that you are like excited. Um, I'm just like so pumped that I'm, you know, to be Australian and to come from such a like real stereotypical Australian like upbringing and background. Um, I, d- I don't know. I think there's something just so strong in us being really just convicts where, you know, got that convict spirit. And I think that's, I think that means something for us. You know, we grew up what was meant to be a prison and mm. sucks to be them because it's fucking paradise. Australia is the best country in the world. Like how lucky are we? So I hope everyone keep at home keeps fighting, um, fight for Australia. This isn't about like world domination or COVID or any of that shit. Like this is about Australia being Australian. We're not meant to be fighting. We're meant to be fucking watching the footy. So fuck them. <laughs> Love it. Perfect way. It's true. It is 100% true. True. 100% true. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Boys, that was Ty Emery, a recently signed bare knuckle boxer. As she said on the podcast, look out for her on the December card, possibly, uh, in Miami. Dropped a couple of names in there that we're interested in too, boys. So that's going to be exciting if that comes to fruition, as uh, Snap would say. (laughs) Oh, boys, let's jump into our fight picks. We've got UFC 266 coming up as we talked about, uh, headlined by Alex Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega. Statman, where are we heading? So we start off with the opening card. Uh, the the fight card for UFC 266 is absolutely stacked. But we're starting with the UFC flyweight bout between Jessica Andrade and Cynthia Calvillo. When she sets foot in the octagon this weekend, Andrade will become the first women's fighter in UFC history to record 20 bouts for the company. Tito Ortiz, who was the first male fighter to achieve the same, took 10 years and two months to hit the goal, whereas Andrade did it in only eight. That means I'm still number one, boys. I know we didn't do a a leaderboard update this week, but but just for um, uh, Statman is is last on the the old ladder. Look out. Unfortunately. Fair enough. Uh, I'll kick us off, boys. Uh, a nice quick one for me. I've actually got a little bit stuck into Casey O'Neill's posse. I don't know if you've ever seen on her socials, but there's like three or four different fighters that she constantly hangs out with as well. So Cynthia Calvino is part of the part of that crew. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm I'm running with the 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 King Crew. I'll call them. Good, good, good. The King Crew. Oh, I don't know. I just made that up. Sounds oh, like cool. I like it. <laughs> uh, That's mine. Does that mean it's me? Because I'm second? Stoney, I believe, is second, isn't he? Yeah, I think you're equal second, but that's okay. Oh, you can fight that's between me. yourselves. I'm second. I'm going to go Jessica on, Andrea, Andrage, Andrage, just like my entourage. Stoney, you can go third because you're into my entourage, baby. I'm also on Jessica Andrage. Uh, <laughs> oh, wouldn't three, three losses and one win in her last four DL. Doesn't lend itself to someone who's in a, a good run of form, but you have a look at those losses. Valentina Shevchenko, Rose... And Welly. So three absolute killers and her last two wins, Caitlin the Chook, one of my personal favourites, and also Rose. So she's had a couple of good wins as well in her last five, but uh, I think she'll take take care of Cynthia. I'm big on Cynthia Calvillo uh, up until a point where she lost to Caitlin Chukagian. Um, I was very, very strongly on Cynthia Calvillo heading into that fight. Um, MMA math is so fickle, but you look at the fact that uh, Caitlin Chukagian defeated Cynthia Calvillo. We've got Jessica Andrade who TKO'd 
Caitlin Chukagian. I'm going to go Jessica Andrade, who, despite her recent record, is an absolute beast at any division that she fights in. Little Nollywood reference. Yeah, there. bit of MMO mouth. <laughs> Rock out. And I looking quite the fool now, DL. <laughs> I would say as per usual. <laughs> Fuck me. Heading into the heavyweight division, we have Curtis Blades versus Jessino Rosenstruck. Curtis Blades sits at number three on the UFC leaderboard for most takedowns performed in a single fight. Blades took Alexander Volkov down a heavyweight record 14 times in their June 2020 bout. Blades tied with Mighty Mouse and fell to second place Sean Shirk with 16 and first place Khabib Nurmagomedov with 21. The fun fact for Khabib fans is that Khabib earned his 21 takedowns in a three-rounder whereas everyone else I mentioned did theirs in five. I wouldn't tip Curtis Blades if he was fighting snags. <laughs> you wouldn't tip? Well, I would be highly disrespected if you did. Wow. I am still. You need to get a different analogy. I am still <laughs> extremely bitter about being turned down for a photograph at UFC Perth. Stoney was there. He knew how upsetting it was. Don't think I've taken it quite at the same level. <laughs> I don't think anyone's taken any personal offence to quite the same level. I think on I've front never turned you down for, I've never turned you down for a photo. More sympathy towards the Nazis fucking so long ago. That was Israel Adesanya's debut. With <laughs> <laughs> Everyone thinks Conor McGregor's reaction to getting turned down by Machine Gun Kelly for a photo was bad. <laughs> DL's taking it to a new level, boys. He was getting a photo with Megan Fox. He just got shitty at it. Oh, Continue. So I'm guessing you're taking oh, Rosenstruck. I'm taking Rosenstruck, for sure. <laughs> Rosenstruck, sorry. Uh, my my uh, forte for picking fights this week was going to be the last name I can't pronounce properly, but I'm actually going to go for Curtis Blades because <sighs> um, I can announce that one properly. I'm actually just – how do people get cool last names? Like how are you born into a cool last Curtis name? Blades. Yeah, I know. Everyone, we're all just very normal on this podcast. Disappoints me. Like, can't believe my last name is a zoo tiger, but you know, <laughs> pretty normal for the fans. So, uh, Curtis Blades for snacks. And uh, I'm only picking him because Deal disrespected me and said he wouldn't even pick him if he was fighting me, which implies that he would have a chance of beating me, which is just <laughs> ludicrous. Curtis Blades was wearing a parachute material Team USA jumpsuit that night too at the pub. I can just I imagine DL having like fucking Nam style flashbacks about this shit. He can picture the clothing. He can be. It's, it's like a, it's like a it's like a focal point memory. Jesus Christ! Hey Craig, no word of a lie. I do think about that moment a way too much. Like <laughs> way too much. <laughs> Very creepy. My, my, my memory of that entire night is pretty blurry. So I moved on really good. quickly. <laughs> um, so good. So good. I'm definitely on uh, Curtis. All is forgiven. Um, if he, His alternative was he was, in fairness, they were probably a bunch of sevens, DL, but I would still choose <laughs> a bunch of sevens over three drunk blokes <laughs> if I was Curtis Blake. Maybe he didn't want – maybe he wanted a photo of you, DL, but he just – he didn't want one with Stoney. Have you ever thought of that? Ooh. Mm. No, it would have been the other well, way. We were hanging with Izzy Adesanya, so fuck Curtis Blades. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he's going to win this fight, so I'm still on him. Um, he was on an absolute tear. I, I thought for sure he would fight for for the belt and then obviously ran into 
Derek Lewis and almost earned himself tool of the week because he said the one thing I cannot do is stand and bang with Derek Lewis and what did he do? He, he stood and well he didn't bang but he got banged. Let's hope he's uh, thought through his game plan a little bit better but I'm sure we'll see a, a very boring takedown ground and pound and Curtis Blades gets another win that no one really cares about especially Ooh. DL. I reckon Izzy talked to us about 10 minutes that night and Curtis Blades, we went over there, we waited patiently and he just said to me, no more photos tonight. Yeah. I think we've talked about Curtis right. Blades for 10 minutes too long. He said, <laughs> he said, no more photos tonight. Did the right thing. No worries, Curtis. See you later. And then what happens? A bunch of like maybe a group of four or five girls come up. Curtis Blades suddenly. Photographer. <laughs> well, he took a photo of the girls. No, he got a photo with the girls. <laughs> Good man. So- so my pick for this fight. Uh, so I doubt they, um, those girls even went to the UFC that day. And I doubt they even remember that moment now. No, it would have meant we so really much more to us. We really need to move us. on from this. I thought we were going to keep this short and snappy. No. <laughs> Rule of thumb is we can never tip a Curtis Blade card again. So I, so, I, so my, so my I won't be disrespected fight. and I won't put up with this long chat about it. So my, so my pick for this fight. <laughs> Greg, Statman, please enlighten us with your pick. Uh, Jezina Rosedrick is a yes. phenomenal yep, that's it. That's all we striker. need from him. Move on to the next one. <laughs> Curtis Blades is a phenomenal grappler. grappler. And when you go up, uh, go up against a phenomenal grappler when you are a striker alone, you run into danger. Um, Derek Lewis has a ridiculous ability to get out of danger uh, and to stand up from takedowns that Jezina Rosedrick does not currently have in his repertoire. I see this fight going uh, going Curtis Blades TKO probably late with elbows. He has a he has a, he's called Razor Blades because of his elbows. They cause some significant damage, but his takedowns just against a fighter who is as one dimensional as Jesse and a Rosenstruck, as good as that one dimension may be, is uh is pretty dangerous. And I think this is custom made for Curtis Blades. Right here, I'm glad we got that guy got through that unscathed, uh, so we don't trigger anyone else on this podcast. Stabby, talk us through the next one. Perfect. We're held, heading to the welterweight division. We have the long-awaited return of Nick Diaz going up against Robbie Lawler. I really like that chat, by the way. Should be noted as well before we jump into the stat that this is a very, very rare non-title, non-main event five-round fight, um, which is obviously going to serve both of these fighters quite well. At 17 years, 6,384 days between fights, this marks by far the longest gap between rematches in the UFC history. The previous record holder that I could find through extensive research was Gabriel Gonzaga versus Mirko Krokop, which was a few days shy of eight years. So this rematch is more than double in length more than the previous longest rematch between fights. Crazy. Crazy shit. Boys, it's really hard when you don't have any fight history. Well, not recent fight history anyway. <laughs> Uh, we do. It's just a while ago. <laughs> can I, can I, <laughs> we've got fight past here. Oh, we do. I should go back. <laughs> I could go back and watch. Who the fuck's Nick Diaz? Who the fuck is this? I'm pretty sure we all watched that fight on VHS that we borrowed from Video Easy or Network Video or something. <laughs> so when uh, this is not Curtis Blaze, sorry, but when Stony got into um, <laughs> when Stony got into the podcast room tonight, he said to me. Oh, Dale, actually, when you got into this sport, you wouldn't have seen Nick Diaz fight at all, would you? I said, no, I wouldn't have. And so. I don't have any live moments for Nick Diaz. I've got some Robbie Lawler moments. 
And, mate, a really good way for this fight to go would be a draw. And I don't think you boys are going to give me a bonus point for a draw. So I'll take Robbie Lawler. I was going to say, we'd probably take a point off you for picking a draw. Yeah, no, no, no draw. Disrespectful. We'll see win. I hope it goes Look, five rounds, though. That'd be really cool. That'd be sick. Oh, it's weird for him to come back. Or well, I suppose he is a Diaz, just go straight into five rounds. Um, where yeah. they do their best work. Um, so Snag's going to pick Nick just for the sake of picking Nick Diaz because I can never mm. not pick a Diaz, brother. Um, Robbie Lawler, I think, will put up a good showing. And who the bloody hell knows what Nick Diaz is going to bring up, but I hope it's something bloody arousing and delicious like a syrupy little pancake. So uh, Nick Diaz for Snags. Uh, when was Nick Diaz's last fight, Stepman? 2015? Uh, yeah, I started 2015, so it's it's been six and a half years. Right. Well, I'm going to use a bit of um, a bit of logic here that Robbie Lawler's last, I'm going to say, impressive um, win against a respectable opponent would have been against Carlos Condit in early 2016. So Which he lost, I I believe. I, I counted that one as a loss for Robbie Lawler. <laughs> oh, and the media voted. I'm, sure, I'm sure the media agree. Um, but, yeah, effectively one and six, one and five, one and six. Uh, since then, that win was over Donald Cerrone, who then obviously started losing quite a bit after that. Uh, losses to T. Wood, Dos Anjos, Ben Askren, Colby Covington, Neil Bagney. Um, I don't think Robbie Lawler is the same beast that he was, and I think everyone would agree with that. Nick Diaz absolutely won't be a, as sharp as he was in, in some of those great matches with BJ Penn and Frank Sham- Shamrock. But, you know, I'm, I'm tipping Nick to, to weather the early storm. And then as the fight goes on, being a five-rounder, I think that plays into to the cardio of a Diaz boy. And I think Nick Diaz gets a, a decision in this one. Um, yeah, I I'm, I'm completely agree with Stoney. I think that um, while Nick Diaz is a completely unknown quantity, um, for Robbie Lawler, we, we, we kind of know where his career tra- trajectory has travelled. Um, phenomenal fighter in his day at this stage has looked less and less impressive as he's gone on. I think the unknown quantity of, of Nick Diaz is probably uh, in his benefit in this one. We can always assume a Diaz brother's probably going to come in in shape despite the fact that there's uh, many, many, many documented stories of Nick Diaz being the party animal of the two. He has always come into his fights as a, a, in top-notch shape. I see this going probably all five rounds and, and going in, in Nick Diaz's uh, stead. Boys, before we jump into the co-main and main events on UFC 266, I think it's time for a little This Week on Ned's. Neds has become the official betting partner of the UFC in Australia. You can catch our weekly blog at neds.com.au and via the Run It Back website, runitbackpodcast.store. Is gambling a problem for you? Call Gambling Help on 1-800-858-858 or visit www.gamblinghelponline.org.au and always remember to gamble responsibly. Statman, you've got this week's picks. Let's go. This week, we are looking ahead at the absolutely stacked UFC 266 card. And what we thought with such in, uh, such fantastic talent on the card, we each thought we would take a fighter and list our top three favorite moments from their career. And on the blog, what we're going to do is we're going to expand it out to five. But what we wanted to do was kind of touch on the top three just for the podcast. We went around the ground. We each picked probably the fighter on the card that most spoke to us. 
and we got the three, two, one of it all from each of the team members. Um, for instance, first up, we've got Snags's pick, Alexander Volkanovsky, rugby union player and Australian UFC featherweight champion. Um, in third position, uh, Snags not a not shying away from his crossfit guru roots he's gone with the insane workout that alexander volkanovsky put out the bulk double leg training video um, you can find snippets of it on youtube what it was essentially was a 20 minute drill where alexander volkanovsky had to hit double leg takedowns on a never-ending rotation of fighters it's absolutely insane um, i caught the last 30 40 seconds of it the man is absolutely wrecked, and he is still taking down all of his uh, all of his comrades in Wollongong and what looks like city kickboxing stars as well. Um, and he just continues to drive and drive and drive. Um, Brad Riddell's there, uh, Israel Adesanya is there, and you can see Alexander Volkanovsky absolutely exhausted, but pushing the pace to the very end of that twenty-minute drill. Um, at number two, Snags has put the. Both wins over Max Holloway. Max Holloway, obviously, recently, Calvin Qatar, that bout, proving himself to be a premier fighter in the UFC featherweight division. Alexander Volkanovsky has two straight victories over him. There's some controversy in the second fight. I personally had it for Alexander Volkanovsky, but I could see arguments the other way. But the first fight, when Max Holloway was at his most untouchable in the UFC featherweight division, Alexander Volkanovsky, fresh off defeats of some of the best fighters in UFC featherweight history, came screaming in and absolutely wrecked it for them. Finally, Alexander Volkanovsky, number one pick. We have the Goosey training video, Stuck in the Mud. Um, this is a personal favorite, not only of Snags, obviously, being his number one Alexander Volkanovsky, but also of mine. And it's got a little bit of run-it-back history in it as well. Obviously, the first podcast that had all four boys on it was the uh, Robert Whittaker-Israel Adesanya card in Melbourne. Uh, and the entire trip down, we took the car down, drove down. Uh, Sugar Snags was talking about the Goosey. And eventually, I just had to ask him, shut up, what is this Goosey? And he pulled up a phone uh, video on his phone of Alexander Volkanovsky pulling off the sidestep Goosey video. Um, obviously, rugby union acumen coming in handy. And that is why the Goosey is Snags' number one Alexander Volkanovsky pick. Next up, we have Stoney's pick. First up, number three on Nick Diaz's top three. We have Nick Diaz's defeat over the legendary BJ Penn at UFC 137. An absolute masterclass and kind of just one of those things, one of those times where you see BJ Penn getting outboxed, which is a very, very rare thing to see, especially when BJ Penn was in his prime. This was obviously the start of BJ Penn's downfall, unfortunately, but Nick Diaz looked absolutely amazing and earned himself with a victory over BJ Penn, a uh, title shot against George St. Pierre that was later obviously changed to Carlos Condit. Number two on his list, personal favorite of uh, of Stoney, but also of myself, the Gogo Plata finish over Takanori Gomi at Pride 33. The Gogo Plata submission is a work of art. It has only been pulled off I believe five times in a major or a, even a credible MMA promotion. And so Nick Diaz has one of those over Takanogami, who at the time, the Fireball Kid was considered one of the greatest lightweights of all time. If you if you if you don't know your Gogo Platters from your Ogo Platters, it is a shin choke 
combined with a shoulder lock, and it is absolutely brutal. Unfortunately, the absolute ridiculousness of MMA rules, I like to say in the past, but still carry over today. Um, Nick Diaz was actually suspended, and the fight overturned due to a marijuana suspension. The finish itself over such a great in Takanorogomi does go down in history, and also goes down as number two on our list of Nick Diaz highlights. And number one on the list for Nick Diaz is actually not a bout that he was in or even a card that he featured on. It's the Strikeforce Nashville post-fight brawl. Jake Shields had just defended his uh, Strikeforce middleweight title against Dan Henderson. Jason Mayhem Miller had forced his way into the cage to ask for his rematch. Now, um, a lot of the Caesar Gracie boys jumped in and started shoving um, Jason Mayhem Miller away, and uh, Nick Diaz decided, no, nah, let's let's not ha- let's not handle this with shoves. Let's handle this with fists, and the entire brawl broke out, causing Strikeforce to actually be banned from network television. The next time that MMA in general was featured on network television was actually the first UFC on Fox card, but the event was momentous and would probably never have been topped if not for the post-fight brawl between. Khabib and Conor McGregor, but before that, there was the Strikeforce Nashville all-in brawl. My pick uh, on the card for a fighter to highlight is Robbie Lawler. Um, number three on my list is the KO victory over Ablin Amagov. Um, no one hyped me more in the welterweight division than Ablin Amagov when he came into the UFC, but before that, he had a pretty solid um, MMA career. He'd only ever lost to Alexi Olenek. Um, who is a heavyweight submission machine, and I believe it was in uh, one of Amogov's very, very first fight uh, fights. And he was on an absolute tear, including a knockout victory over future uh, UFC lightweight uh, title challenger, Anthony Smith. And Robbie Lawler took him to task and knocked him out, um, a feat that would never happen again. Number two on my list is uh, Robbie Lawler's KO over, a KO over Josh Koscheck. The reason why this is on my list, not only because I love seeing Josh Koscheck get pieced up, but it was his first UFC. It was, sorry, it was Robbie Lawler's first UFC bout in nine years. It was his first UFC victory in over 10 years. And it, what it did was it really kickstarted Robbie Lawler, the new, the regenerated Robbie Lawler, uh, the Robbie Lawler that would go on to capture the title and to fight his way into record books. And leading into the number one pick uh, for Robbie Lawler, which I'm pretty sure everyone would have as their number one Robbie Lawler moments, was his fight with Rory McDonald. An absolute insane fight. The first two rounds, a lot of heavy damage thrown, but a rather conservative pace. And then three, four, five, the damage starts to accumulate on both fighters. Both fighters looking absolutely unbeatable until Robbie Lawler smashed the nose of Rory McDonald at the end of the fourth round. Heading into the fifth round, the uh, sorry, at the end of the fourth round, you had that incredible stare down, as well as the Robbie Lawler mist of blood that he breathed out. And then obviously picking up the victory in the fifth round when Rory McDonald could no longer take any more abuse to the face. One thing that always sticks with me is Robbie Lawler screaming in... Um, excitement and happiness at the end of that fight with half his lip torn um, and he had like a triangle split in his lip and when he screamed and yelled you could see it rip further but the man was so full of adrenaline that he just didn't give a shit Uh, and that is absolutely badass to me 
And lastly, we have DL, who's picking Valentina Shevchenko as his fighter that he'd like to highlight. He's 3-2-1. So we start with number three, and it is one of the most brutal knockouts in in uh, women's MMA history. It's the head kick KO of Jessica I. It is truly a knockout that you cannot appreciate fully in gift form. It has to be heard to be believed, and it's one of the most violent head kick knockouts ever seen. Um, Jessica I, obviously talented fighter. Valentina Shevchenko made her look like, I mean, she made her look like every other opponent that steps in the cage with Valentina Shevchenko, basically like she doesn't belong there. Um, moving on to number two, and it's a very, very rare one for um, for this list, is Valentina Shevchenko's loss to Amanda Nunes in their second bout at UFC 215. So split decision loss. It was a very, very close fight. Probably the closest fight that Amanda Nunes has ever had uh, in her Bantamweight career since becoming the champion. And we all know that I love the MMADecisions.com website. And I went on there to check because I remember this fight being one of those fights where I'm incredibly glad that I'm not a judge. And the MMA media agreed with me. We had 10 MMA media vote for Amanda Nunes. We had 10 MMA media vote for Valentina Shevchenko. And we had two MMA media voted as a draw so completely totally utterly split down the middle there and i think a draw would have been in the best interest of both fighters to protect it but um absolutely sensational showing from shevchenko um, and nunez in that bout as well um and uh deal's number one pick for valentina shevchenko is the defeat of one of the women's mma goat uh joanna yadrashek uh, at UFC 231, it was a really dominant uh, victory over Joanna, um, and Joanna obviously moving up in weight class to challenge, but had the striking acumen, um, and then you see Valentina Shevchenko really, really highlight that there are levels to this game. Uh, Joanna Yadrochek, obviously one of the all-time greatest strikers in women's MMA history, and Valentina Shevchenko made it look easy, uh, and further demonstrated that she was a force to be reckoned with and potentially unbeatable at her home weight class. And boys, that was this week on Neds. Statman, let's jump back into our picks. Then we head into the co-main event. We've got Valentina Shevchenko against Lauren Murphy. Sitting at a plus 800 or a $7 underdog heading into this fight with Valentina Shevchenko, a Lauren Murphy victory would be enough for the second largest underdog, underdog victory in UFC history at the time of market close, only behind Shayna Dobson's upset defeat of Maria Agapova. Hmm. Uh, we, need a, we need a finish and a round for this one. You want to move on? Chev all day, boys. Um, we say it all the time. This could be the opponent that pushes Valentina Shevchenko. We say it every time she has a lineup these days. Just can't see it. Just can't see it. Lauren Murphy, impressed with her form, absolutely. May hold Valentina for the first couple. And then I think Valentina might catch her at the end of the second. Uh, and I think it'll go TKO round two for me, boys. Look bloody out. I'll tell you what Snags is feeling. I'm feeling like a syrupy little hotcake. And I'm going to take Valentino Shevchenko because bloody hell. Pour some syrup on me and call me the candy man. She's going to take a round two TKO. 
That's it. I don't know why I use so many syrupy things in there. Yeah, so I'm, I'm about it, so it's fine. This fight is going to be delicious. That's probably why I did it. Yeah, no. uh, yeah. Long lead in to just basically agree with DL. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I like to be the theatrics of the podcast. is really my forte. Where I do my best work. Now, I saw a tweet, and I, I, it's not in front of me. I don't know who did it, so we can't, it can't be a, a blatant tool of the week. But someone put out and said, Laura Murphy beat a heroin addiction. Are you telling me that Valentina Shevchenko is tougher than heroin? And I thought if ever there was a tool of a week that just wrote itself, it was whoever wrote that tweet. So um, I'll certainly I'll go and retweet that so everyone on, on Twitter can actually see it and then lay into the fella. Um, but Valentina Shevchenko wins this one in the first round, I think. Ooh, yeah, TKO. Well. Um, I'm not. I'm not even going to deny that beating a heroin addiction is I- incredibly difficult. I would say that <laughs> any <laughs> single. No, no, but like, like I, 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 I could imagine that it's 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 meant to be amongst one of the toughest fights ever. I would say that of all the fighters in the world, that is tougher <laughs> than, to beat than a heroin addiction. Oh, I'm not Shevchenko is going to be one of the top. Um, <laughs> I tell you guys what. What scared me the most was uh, Valentina Shevchenko's most recent fight against Jessica Andrade. I don't know what it was about that fight, but it went completely different. I expected a Valentina Shevchenko win. It went, it still went completely differently to how I expected. Valentina Shevchenko, kickboxing world champion, Muay Thai gold medalist, took her down and dominated her on the ground for two rounds and beat the shit out of her. Jessica Andrade, one of the most powerful, best women's fighters of all time. I'd say top 10 best women's fighters of all time. Jessica Andrade got made to look like a complete simpleton. And I like Lauren Murphy. I think that she's a great fighter in her own right. <laughs> you always slot that in there, don't you? I, I don't really I, like I, this girl. I, I do. I, I Heroin, liking people, you are so predictable. She, she, seems, she seems like a nifty human being. And she... And she has fighting skills, but it is it is like the equivalent of climbing climbing a small hill to your house and climbing a fucking mountain. Valentina Shevchenko is so much better than anything that I believe that Lauren Murphy. It, this would be the biggest upset in in your in UFC history. Whatever the line ends up being, this would be. You're going for Lauren Murphy, aren't you? <laughs> However, I do know. Of course, I'm going Valentina Shevchenko, and I'm I'm a little annoyed. I, I you guys have all gone round two TKO. I'm going to take round one TKO, which is a bit of a a bit of a risk because Valentina does like the feeling out process at least at the beginning. I would have gone round two, but I'm I'm hedging my bets here with a round one. Ooh. I think that the skill differential is just so great in this fight that a round one is not that out of the question. So okay. round one finish TKO for Valentina Shevchenko. And and yeah, who who who's next for Valentina Shevchenko? And I say that before the fight takes place because really fuck that um, that's a conversation we're gonna be having. Well yeah, I don't know who's next, but I hope it's in six months because I need to recover from the spiel for that pick before we get there. I'll tell you what that- I'd love to see I'd love to hear snags is Statman break down a fight between <laughs> heroin and Laura Murphy because we've got a little something like this. <laughs> I really like heroin. <laughs> if you look at the record, though, Laura Murphy has already beaten heroin once. So I think more likely going to see heroin does do – obviously heroin in rematches has done a fantastic yeah. job against Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman. 
<laughs> and then he'd go, second party would go, he'd go, you know, the previous opponent was like Mount Perisher, but this is like Everest. A lot of the times when you're rematching heroin, you've you've reduced your resistance to heroin and then heroin comes back stronger. Sometimes Jesus heroin Christ. has been working out with its mate's fentanyl and other. And other. You were probably giving it to me about saying syrupy little hot cake. Mate, I, I, <laughs> I thought that was fucking here. fantastic, mate. That was fantastic. That was, if we're going to do a run it back awards, Stoney's comment there <laughs> has just taken my number one vote for the whole Can you please, can you please cut out my promo in favour of heroin? You can absolutely include Stoney single. I don't think that me... <laughs> Philip Zimmerhoffen's loss is, is, is tragic. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, this is bloody what happens when you record a podcast at 10 past 11. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loosey-goosey tonight, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Good shit. All right. Let's, let's, roll into, <laughs> let's roll into the main event. It's time! Boys and girls, the long-awaited title defense, Alexander Volkanovsky defending his UFC featherweight championship against Brian T-City Ortega. Alexander Volkanovsky is currently sitting with the second longest active win streak in MMA. Not just the UFC, boys and girls, MMA as a whole. At 19 straight victories, he is one behind undefeated Bellator welterweight champion Yaroslav Amosov, who is 26-0 currently. Be warned, the last time I read this stat about the second longest active win streak in MMA, it was for Weili Zhang, whose 21-fight win streak was immediately wrecked by Rose Namajunas. Very nerve-wracking, that was. That's Ooh, it was chills throwing, in the spine, boys. Throwing to the leader. Well, it's not going to change my pick. Volkanovski for me, easily. Uh, he'll dedicate every inch of this fight. He'll he'll do everything in his power to make sure it's on his terms. Um, as Volk always does, he gets in the opponent's face. He pushes the pace. He takes the center of the cage. He pushes him against the cage. He does all those little things really, really well, and he's relentless and he's got a tank on him. I can see it being stopped in the second. I think I think Ortega will try and shoot. Like, you can try and shoot on You can try and shoot on him, but I think the Volk's totally fine with that. Mm. Volk would have had the opportunity to roll with Craig Jones that whole entire time during oh, tough series. Mexican ground karate. Mate. Get around it. <laughs> How cool is that? And, you know, yeah, well, mate, just imagine if old Volk pulled out a sub. Oh, that would be delicious. That would put Mexican ground karate on the map on and I would be all map. around it. On the map. So are you going, are you going sub or TKO? No, I'm just going to TKO. I think it stops late in the second. Look, I'm as bloody aroused as this fight as I am for Mexican ground karate and saucy little biscuits. Um, but I'm going to go the Volk, as per usual, going to follow the Aussie. Um, I think you get it done. I was a big T-City fan. I think I was a bit similar to DL in terms of he has rubbed me different ways in many years in the last 12 months, not in the way that I like to be rubbed. Um, so I'm going to take Volkanovski. I think they're going to push this to about round three or four, but I'm going to take round three TKO. And uh, another one for the Aussie boys, hopefully. Bloody delicious little treat for you all. Hey, what's the Volk's finishing rate? Is it high? Pretty decent. It? He's, he's got a decent finishing rate. Two hundred and twelve percent. I heard. <laughs> Stat. Yeah, just on the street. Yeah. 
Um, he's he's finished. I think it's fourteen or fifteen of his fights. Twenty-two wins. Yeah, see, fourteen, fifteen divided by twenty-two, uh, two hundred twelve percent. Yeah, but it's hundred percent on uh, Volkanovski as well. DL touched on. I don't think he he'd be too bothered. Um, if Ortega shot for the takedown, one thing that, that Alexander come out and said very early in his career is people will get me down, but they will not keep me down. And he ran into Chad Mini-Mendez and I thought Chad would keep him down and he landed some big takedowns and the Volk just bounced straight back up. Now, obviously, from a grappling standpoint, uh, Brian Ortega is far superior in terms of his jiu-jitsu, but in terms of purely being able to control someone on the ground, I you know, Chad Mendes was fucking elite. So the mm. fact that Volkanovski could just bounce straight back up from those takedowns, I, even if Ortega gets him down, I don't see him keeping him down long enough to really work a sub. So it's going to have to be something executed really quickly if T-City gets this one. Uh, and I don't think he he does. I think the odds are with Volkanovski. I'm actually saying it, it's going to be a drawn out fight. I think he wins by decision. So he wins on points. Uh, Ortega, typically not someone who gets finished easily. So um, Volkanovski by decision for Cerny. I'm going to do the typical Statman thing. So I'm, I'm hanging a lampshade on it so you guys can all see it coming. I'm going to give a compliment to the fighter that I believe is actually going to lose and then I'm going to talk up the fighter that I think is going to win. So Brian Ortega, absolutely phenomenal ground fighter. Um, and I actually thought that we would see his comeback. We would see how good Brian Ortega was coming back from the Max Holloway fight, not just from his incredible performance against Korean Zombie, but seeing if that was more a case of how far Ortega had advanced or maybe if that was necessarily how far Korean Zombie had declined. Korean Zombie next went up against Dan Ige and looked fucking phenomenal. So my idea is that we've got a next-level Brian Ortega here whose ground skills and striking are next level. But... Alexander Volkanovsky's pressure, his striking acumen, his ground game, his takedown defense, I feel will be too high pressure for Brian Ortega to deal with. I don't necessarily think that we get a finish. I'm going with Stoney on this one. I'm, I'm taking Alexander Volkanovsky by decision, mostly just on the basis of Brian Ortega's incredible fortitude in the Max Holloway defeat. He got finished in the fourth round, but Max Holloway had to literally beat him bloody and pour on an insane amount of damage. Not to say that Alexander Volkanovsky can't do that. Obviously, I think he hits harder than Max Holloway, but I just don't think that he has the same uh, output as Max Holloway. No, Nobody in the UFC has the same output as Max Holloway to be able to force the stoppage. Brian Ortega, and again, he has annoyed at the shit out of me, much like he has the rest of you boys um, over the course of the last 12 months. But um, tough son of a bitch. But so I think that he will still be standing by the end of the fight, but Alexander Volkanovsky will make a statement um, and and get his hand raised after a unanimous decision victory at the end of the fight and still. This is a very audacious uh, – <laughs> you're tonight are just absolutely on fire, to be honest. I've had a few drinks, man. That's my love. Have you? I couldn't tell. I could not tell. <laughs> You surprise me every second of the way. <laughs> oh, I love it, boys. You boys can just continue to chase the champ and the champ, not Alex Volkanovsky, but your producer, DL. I actually, Joe, you know what I should do, I need to grab the uh, the Paddy Pimbler, how do you like me now, <laughs> sample in here. I think that needs to make an appearance on the podcast when you are chasing the champ. How do you like me now, boys? How do you like me now? 
All right, boys, let's jump into Punish Club with a little bit of a twist this week. Okay, boys, Punish Club has taken a turn. I know uh, one podcast member isn't happy about the turn. He's decided it isn't fun, but that's okay. <laughs> RB. I just thought we were only about the fun. But anyway, proceed. Oh, there's plenty of fun here. So moving forward with the Punters Club, and we haven't done a lot with the Punters Club recently, so we're looking for some wins. And outside this podcast, the boys actually make a fair bit of money. Not a fair bit, but we do make a nice sum of money off UFC. Bats out. Bats <laughs> out. <laughs> oh, let's not talk about the crypto horse. UFC, uh, UFC multis. So we think it's only fitting to have a UFC multi as now part of the Punters Club. But with a twist to keep Snags a little bit entertained, the anchoring leg each week and this week it will be Snags can pick any sport to round out the multi. Statman, you're the king of UFC gambling. Yep. Let me just jump into the Neds app. <laughs> I'll, take who's I'll take it. Who's dead last on the leaderboard. <laughs> no, but when it comes to money, it's a little bit better. Of course. I'm a, I am a little bit better. <laughs> it's not hard only, to be a little bit better head. than dead last. Though. Let's, be, let's, be, let's be real. Thanks, Stoney. Thank you. <laughs> that was rough. Yeah, that's, that's fine. It's okay. Boys, I've just opened up the Neds app for our multi this week. Please gamble responsibly. Statman, where are we heading? Uh, we're heading to UFC 266. I'm taking Nick Diaz. All right, so Nick Diaz, you're taking Nick Diaz straight? Yes, Nick Diaz straight. Thank you. Dollar right. $1.90. Let's go. Stoney, what do you got? Uh, what have I got? I just heard Snags give a quick shout out to your crypto horse and he said, let's not mention it. I just want to say that <laughs> I'm not an owner of this horse, but I, got, I had the privilege of watching it uh, run on... Saturday night. Saturday what'd you, night. What'd you, what'd you, what'd you think? What'd you I think? thought it uh, it looked like Farlap post-mortem. <laughs> <laughs> it's consistent, mate. It always comes seventh it's or eighth. pretty accurate, man, honestly. Like, when Stoney saw a run and he goes, oh, it's doing all right. And I go, it's just middle of the race. Don't you worry. And then it just, Stoney, just give it five that's seconds. That's where it's the best work. <laughs> yeah, <obviously. laughs> all right, boys. Uh, podcast favourite, late call up, Dan Hooker. Uh, flying out today. Yes, yes. At a dollar fifty-two on oh, the nose. It's rough leaving today, hey. It is rough, but um, Nazrat Hackbrass is a is a is a badass as well. But then and then you have got the visa issues. I still think Dan Hooker gets it done, but mm. not an ideal fight week for the boy. <laughs> could could play into his hands, I think. Um, yeah. So some fighters, you know, they they, they just like they're ready to go. They're just they're born ready, DL. No, I like that. Born like that. ready. Very racing. Well, boys, to round it out, I'm just going to go Alex Volkanovski. Um, so straight bet on that one. Snags, the anchoring uh, leg gets anything he wants. Oh well, sounds like sounds like everyday life of snacks, boys. <laughs> How are we all? <laughs> welcome, welcome to life of snacks, uh, boys. I'm going to venture into the world of Melbourne uh, kick shoote, as I like to call it, which is AFL in uh, normal terms. Ooh, it's um, I am going to go firmly on. The Western Bulldogs. Oh, he's on the doggies. To take the win. I think they're paying $2 something. And uh, I have enjoyed their finals run. And there's just a vibe around uh, vibe around the uh, Hobson Bay area that no one really likes Melbourne Demons. So Western Bulldogs in the Kik Shutashi Grand Final, AFL Grand Final this weekend. 
Lover boys, we're getting 20 odd bucks back on that. So that's a nice little multi to kick us off. It'd be about 200 and something dollar win. So be good boys. That is the podcast for episode 59. If you like what we're doing, please like, share, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. We've got lots of content on the go. Please remember the best is to subscribe, give us a follow, share our content. That would be amazing. That's us for episode 59, boys. I'm producer DL. I am a syrupy little pancake snacks. I'm the stat man. My name is Tony. And we'll run it back with you all on the next Runner Back podcast. It's with the pancakes, bro. Is it because uh, you're oh, We had pancakes on Sunday and I've just decided syrupy is my new word. Fuck, that's so syrupy. Syrupy snacks, I like it. Oh, oh yeah, I get you now, now I'm picking two things together. So it's like when you go, like, instead of saying that's doozy, I'm like, oh, man, that's oh, syrupy. syrupy.